Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Matthew chapter 19, and after being in the two and three-year-olds last Sunday morning, uh, we're just going to read and we're going home. Uh, So, um, wow, praise God, praise God. Matthew chapter 19, and kind of get to verse number 16 in the passage, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for Brother Caps and just his faithfulness, the testimony he has just given. God, I'm asking on this Sunday morning that you would do something in my life, that you would do something in the, in the lives of all of us. And God, just please help us, watch over us, give us what we need on this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 19, and kind of go to verse number 16, about the rich young man. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, and I want you to take note here, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Would you read the last phrase, please? What lack I yet? Can we read that together out loud again? Ready? What lack I yet? There is in the life of every believer, what am I missing? Why is there a disconnect? Why can't I find it? There's this life that I want, and I don't know how to get there. I hear the preaching, I listen to the singing, I read the Bible, but I cannot, cannot, cannot cross that bridge to something that I know exists in the Christian life, but I just can't find it. This is why people go to churches. This is why people watch programs on the TV with religious programs. This is why people podcast religious and spiritual things, because everybody is like, what am I missing? In fact, it's like the young ruler right here when he said, what lack I? He did not come to Jesus as a leper. He did not come to Jesus as one that was destitute. He didn't come to Jesus as one that was deformed. He came to Jesus, and there's no reason for us not to think this. He came to Jesus as one seemingly had it all together. We could understand a leper crying out, thou son of David. We could understand the blind. We could understand the man that was on a cot being let down. But when he said, what am I lacking? What am I missing? And I'm standing before you today knowing that you're not here because you have to be here. 
you're here because you're looking for a life and, and you want a life. That's what this young man said. This young man had the mindset of this good master. Look what he said here. He said, good master. Look, look at the wording, if you will. He said, good master, what good thing. What this young man was saying to Jesus was this. He said, look, I'm not looking at you as the Messiah. I'm looking at you as having mastered good. That's why he said, good master, what good thing. He said, I'm looking at you as the person who has mastered the art of doing good. Now, I'm coming to you as a man that does good. I'm coming to you as a young man that has wealth, and I'm asking you, you've mastered the art of doing good. Now, what is a good that I'm not thinking of? You see, when he said, what else do I lack, he knew there was something missing in his life, but he truly thought, look at all the good that I've done, because Christ said, you know, if you'll keep the commandments, Christ said this, and, and he looked at all, and he said, yeah, I got that down. I, I got, but what am I lacking here? And so you're going to find out that the young man's entire mindset was that he could also do a good to have eternal life. Jesus very quickly tells him in verse number 17, 18, and 19, he runs through a list of commandments. If you look at the end of verse 17, he said, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And so he very quickly lists off commandments and then the young man comes back and says, um, I, all these things I've kept from my youth up. You know what he was saying? At no time until now have I murdered anybody. At no time until now have I committed adultery. At no time until now have I stolen anything. At no time until now have I borne false witness. And all the time until now, I've honored my father and my mother, and I have loved my neighbor as myself, so now let's move on. What am I missing? Can I tell you the reason Jesus told him this was because the law, the commandments are not meant for you to prove up how good you are. The law and the commandments are to show you how bad you are. But this young man couldn't see it. You see, Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law, was also, well, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You see, the whole point of the law, the whole point of the commandments was to bring him to a point of realizing, yeah, I didn't keep these. But that was not his response. He said, look, every, everything you've told me just now, I have kept from my youth up. And then all of a sudden, this young man that sits on top of this wall of good morals, he now has good morals. He adds the second book in that traps him and may I say, dooms him to going to hell. And you know what that was? Jesus said unto him, verse 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus was telling this young man that eternal life is not gained by good and keeping commandments, but by total abandonment of self sufficiency and self-dependence when you see this it does not mean that somebody gets to heaven by keeping the commandments and it doesn't mean somebody gets to heaven by selling everything what it means is the commandments were to show you you're not that good and you're a sinner and the riches were to show somebody this won't get you to heaven you can't trust in this 
The response from the young man is sad. The young man was not willing to give up all that he was trusting in and what was his identity. When Christ said, follow me, Christ was telling him that he, Christ, would become this young man's sole provider and sustainer. Now we understand why Jesus said these words, because if you'll look a little bit further in the text, look at verse 23. Verse 23, he said this, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Here's what it comes down to. If you're here today and you are lost, you do not know Christ as your Savior, then you are in the same condition this young man was when you come to Christ, and when he came to Christ, he came pulling his wagon of good morals, and right behind it, he was pulling his wagon of material wealth. Moral good, I'm not that bad. Material wealth, I have need of nothing. And it is true that if you do not come to Christ being destitute, knowing there's nothing I own, nothing I possess that will get me to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, you will go to hell. I don't say that boasting. I say that please. Do not think that, and this is why he said rich people. Do you know it's very rare that rich people can attend church? Here's why. Because sometimes we think the amount in the bank account makes us, we're not the people that need Oh, if you got money this morning, God bless you. Stay poor in spirit. If you don't have money this morning, God bless you. Stay poor in spirit. And it's very easy when you have nothing in the cupboard to know I need Jesus. I have to have Jesus. But when your cupboard's full, and why do I need him? And why do I need him? That, that, that's why when you, when you knock on doors and you ring a doorbell and it plays the hallelujah chorus, it's so rich. And then somebody comes to the house and they, they come and behind them is immaculate and it's a mansion and, 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 and all the peripherals that go with seeming wealth and success. And you talk to them about their soul. It is very rare that you'll find somebody with that kind of wealth that realizes they need a savior. Because why would I need a Savior? I can buy my way out of it. Now, always remember this. This is what the young man was coming to Jesus about. This is what it's all about. If you're here and you're lost today, listen, he doesn't want to save you from your moral goodness because your goodness stacked up to his is his filthy rags. And he does not want to save you with all of your riches thinking that I'm worthy of salvation because your gold compared to his wealth, you're very, very poor. He owns it all. And I think all of us would understand that and you would say, Pastor, I get that. I get that. But why are you talking to us out of this passage? How many are saved? Raise your hand. How many know Christ as your Savior? then you had to overcome your goodness to get saved. And you had to overcome your self-sufficiency to get saved. At some point you realized, I am a dirty, rotten sinner. At some point. At some point you realized, I may be able to pay my bills, and I may be able to afford some things, 
but I can't buy my way into heaven. And you stepped away from your goodness and your wealth and saw yourself as you truly are, a sinner that needed a Savior. He said, Pastor, if this is the context of Matthew chapter 19, I get it. He came to Christ. He came with his goodness, and he couldn't get saved. He came with his wealth and was unwilling to get rid of it, to rely totally upon Christ. I get, I get the picture, but why are you talking to us today? Would you take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 3? Some of you are thinking to yourself, what am I lacking? What am I not seeing? What, why is there no spiritual, eternal life going on inside of me? Ladies and gentlemen, could I tell you right now that you are on your way to heaven? Did y'all hear that? You are on your way to heaven, and you let the person coming next to you have a bad moment, you could step into heaven. You let your body stop right now, you could step into heaven. Doesn't matter what your last checkup was. It doesn't matter what your health is right now. You and I are five minutes. That's why it's called mortality. It means that we live every day on the brink of death. We live every moment on the brink of death. You're not guaranteed. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? You are not guaranteed that when you stand up, your heart's not going to give out and you aren't going to step over into heaven. We're not guaranteed that. We are close to eternal life. And I think there's some believers that are like, Pastor, what am I lacking? What is it that I'm not getting about this thing of living for the Lord? The same thing the rich man didn't get. Look at Galatians 3, 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And this is Arthur Carson's favorite verse, Galatians 3, 3. As so I believe. Are you so foolish, having begun in the what, please? Spirit, are you now made perfect by the what, please? Flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, your moral good could not get you to heaven, and your wealth couldn't buy you a place in heaven. Neither can your moral good or your material possessions make you a better Christian. But you know how we live? We pack up our little red wagon, and we say, I've never committed adultery. I have never coveted. I have never lied. I have never. And you know what? We stack on all the morals that our mommy and daddy trained us and that the people around us trained us, and we stack them on this cart, and we pull them along. And then we're like, oh, the altar's for them poor sinners that have no money in the bank. Look at me what I drive. Look at me where I live. Look at me how I walk. Look at me. Look at the clothes I wear. I've got suits and shoes and belts and socks, and I'm decked to the nines. Oh, my friend, we are not to live any other way than this. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner that Christ saved one day, and it doesn't matter how much money I have. This doesn't buy me grace. This doesn't buy me grace. He saved me when I was a nobody. And do you know what we're trying to do? 
or trying to live this spiritual life with our wagon of good and our bank account of wealth. And this is not true that we only find ourselves praying when our bank account's getting low. Isn't it true, my dear friend, if you found this true in your life, that you only start praying and getting serious when things are going bad? Whether things are going good or things are going bad, let me tell you something, you still are dirt poor. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. But boy, it is the Achilles heel of God's people. It happened back here in the Old Testament when they were prosperous, they forgot God. When they had nothing, they needed God. When they were on top of the heap, they forgot God. When they were being oppressed, they needed God. It is the family characteristic. It is the family's Achilles heel. And dear Christian, I'm coming to you this morning that there's a life to live that has nothing to do with your goodness. And there's a life to live that has nothing to do with how self-sufficient you are. Yes, you're healthy. Yes, you can make your own way. And how many breaths have we taken thinking that I did this? And how many things have we accomplished and looked in the mirror and said, hey, look at what I did. Oh, my friend, if we would just realize that the thing that's lacking in our life is humility. Humility. One, I'm not that good. Two, I don't have that much to sustain life. You know how many times you walk up and down the hospital and, and you go to visit people. I had the occasion to go visit Jordan this week in, in Children's Hospital. And, and it was amazing. I was on the phone taking care of th- something, joking, joke goofing off. And after I hung up, there was this lady standing in front of me getting ready to check in and and uh, you could tell by the handbag, I've learned this being married, um, that MK on the side of a handbag doesn't stand for Mary Kay. Uh, you know, I looked at a lady one time and said, ma'am, nice bag, my wife wears that makeup. And she was like, oh, it's not makeup. It's a brand, and it's a very expensive brand. <laughs> and LaWanda, when I was standing there getting ready to check in to come see y'all, the lady standing in front of me, you could tell that she was a very wealthy lady. The lady standing over here checking in, you could tell she was very poor. Money can't buy you health. And I think there needs to be a revival among God's people. That you know how we approach the master? We don't approach the master with our wagon of good. And we don't approach the master with our pride of refusal, we approach the master saying this, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And what I have will only last for another month. In fact, Lord, what I have right now could be taken by a fire. What I have right now could be taken in death. I'm not trying to capitalize, but after I read that article about how Brother Raider went home to be with the Lord, I didn't look at my trip home any other way than this. Lord, I may not make it home. And God, I want you to know 
that you're my master, not because you have mastered all the good and that's what I want. God, you're my master because I have nothing to offer you except a sinful, depraved life. And master, I have nothing that could keep it all going. Go ahead right now. Check your app. Check your balance. Check your stocks. Check everything you have. Look at the value of your homes. Look at everything you have. There's not enough money. You, do, you and I do not possess enough money with everything together that impresses God. But yet, do we not walk among men and we judge and compare? And Do we not walk among societies and go, well, I'm glad I'm not like that person or I'm better? Y'all, straighten up your halos this morning because I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to bring us as a church to this one fact. How we got saved is how we're to live. And if this morning you're operating in a moral standard, I'm worthy to play the instruments. I'm worthy to sing in the choir. I'm worthy to sing the specials. I'm worthy to preach the word. I'm worthy. I'm glad they chose me. Look at me. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, none of us are worthy. There's no good we bring. Let me give you two things, and, and then I'll conclude this morning. Go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4. And I think this sums it all up. The young man couldn't get saved because he was too moral to get saved. The young man couldn't get saved because he was too rich to get saved. He wasn't willing to recognize I'm a sinner, and he wasn't willing to put his trust in the Savior and not something on this side. And would you look, this is where we need to live. How we got saved is how we need to live. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4. Can we read it out loud together? Colossians 3, 4. Ready? Begin. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Look what it says there. When Christ, who is our life. Ladies and gentlemen, let your life be wrapped up in Christ. When you see me and I see you, we have a common bond. Are you ready? Christ. Did you hear that? Christ. And if something else becomes a common bond other than Christ, then get ready for a caste system that has destroyed many a church. And get ready. Because if our common denominator is anything other than Christ. Hey, husband and wife, your common denominator is not first and foremost that your boyfriend and girlfriend and then you went to engaged couple and now you're married. Your common denominator was you were brothers and sisters in Christ long before you ever fell in love. And what happens in our marriages and what happens in our churches is the same thing that happens in our relationship with God. We try to climb a ladder of morals, and we try to climb a ladder of self-sufficiency, and we think this is why people love us. People love us because I'm good. People love us because I have. No. No. Do you know what should be the common denominator? Christ saved me. Christ has blessed me. But all the blessings I have, all the health I have, does not make me. Christ 
who is our life. And would you notice the context there, and I'm done, Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, what's the next thing? Shall what? Ladies and gentlemen, when he steps out and he appears, somebody else gets your money. Think about this. When he steps out and appears, somebody else gets my truck. Mm. When he steps out and he appears, somebody else gets some Starbucks cards that are hidden in my office. Mm. Cleaning crew, stay out of here. Think about everything right now. If he appeared right now, do you know that it would be his glory that so overshadows that you don't have time to transfer all that money to a relative? Think about this when he appears. So when this young man came to Christ, this young man came to Christ saying, I, I'm good, I'm rich, teach me how, I'm going to use bad English here, teach me how to be gooder, because what am I missing here that I can't master this thing? You'll never master the Christian life with your goodness, and you'll never master the Christian life with your self-sufficiency. You master the Christian life on your knees. This, my friend, is how you walk through the Christian life. God, I'm nothing. I have nothing. And God, everything I have is yours. And everything I have, you gave to me. And everything I have. But woe be to the Christian and or the church when we're walking upright. Because every blessing we have has come down from the Father of lights. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.